Welcome to the Focus on Why podcast. I'm Amy Rowlandson and I ask my guests one simple question, why? Focusing on the importance of why, I share with you the relatable, uplifting and inspiring conversations I have with people from all walks of life. This podcast will encourage you to focus on your why to enable and empower you to achieve the success you desire. Have a purpose, have a plan, focus on why. Before we start, I would like to draw your attention to what I can offer you as a master coach. I can help you to focus on your why with clarity, uniting your passion with your purpose with a plan to create the life you truly desire. Book a free 20 minute coaching call right now via calendly.com forward slash Amy Rowlandson forward slash call and we can take it from there. Today on Focus on Why, I am joined by Laura Willoughby, founder of Club Soda. Welcome. Thank you very much for having me. Oh, it's such a treat. It really is. So I'm not going to share too much about why I've got you on the show. In fact, I'm not going to say anything at all. I'm just going to ask you the question that I always start with. so mysterious. I know, They're all going to be wondering, will there be a big reveal? Who knows? (laughs) Maybe. They'll have to wait. Oh, I think this is going to be a very exciting episode. So, Laura, tell me, what is it you're focusing on at the moment? Well, I run Club Soda and we're, a, for want of a better word, a mindful drinking movement. We help people drink mindfully and live well. And I'm very much focused on the fact that we've opened up. We're just in our first year of an alcohol-free only shop and bar. Well, actually, it's a low and alcohol-free shop and bar in Covent Garden. And opening a venue wasn't actually anything that was in my plans or my dreams, but it's a means to achieve the goal that I want to achieve in terms of systems change and and societal change but it's been a tough year right it's a recession and people are spending less and I'm having to learn about all sorts of things around running a venue so yeah I'm very much focusing on that and how to make that all work and you mentioned system change and societal change it's a big thing right yeah I mean it's uh, it's part of my DNA. I've been a campaigner since I was probably about 14, if not slightly younger. And I've always wanted to, I'm, I, I always feel a great sense of when there's injustice in the world or when something needs fixing. I always see that that I might have the solution or the answer, maybe not always, but you know, I've done um, lots of things in my life that involve that, which you're welcome to delve into. But Club Soda is all about, really, it's about I set it up nearly 10 years ago now in order to help people like me change their drinking. So to be a bit like Weight Watchers, but with booze. And what we've slowly morphed into is really leaning into one behavior change technique that is probably the most impactful of all, which is swapping an alcoholic drink for an alcohol-free drink. So that's where we're focusing our attention on. Over the years, our attention's narrowed and narrowed and narrowed, but also we work a lot with the on-trade to make that shift a reality and easier so that's the that's the systems change bit and the societal change is all of that normalizing an alcohol-free drink and I was at a restaurant just the weekend and there was other than orange juice sparkling water maybe a ginger beer a coke that was it in terms of an alcohol-free alternative And I was like, this is crazy there's so much out there why is it that people are slow to adopt? Well, 
in reality, I think people are quite quick to adopt. You know, when I when I gave up drinking 11 years ago, there was nothing in the market apart from a dusty bottle of Bex Blue in the bottom of some pub shelves. And when we set up Club Soda in 2015, we did a piece of research that was funded by Hackney Council to look at how pubs and bars could serve their non-drinking customers better. And really then there wasn't anything. And it wasn't until 2017 when Heineken Zero came onto the market and Seedlip and Big Drop and some of those things. You know, people like Lucky Saint didn't even come to 2019 that wasn't long before lockdown and so this is actually a relatively new market it's a whole new area of drinks nobody ever thought the idea of an alcoholic an alcohol-free alcoholic drink or an alcoholic equivalent alcohol-free drink drunk in the same way nobody thought that was a market that might ever work particularly back in other decades and there are reasons why it's taking root now but it's still relatively new. So what's happened is, is your the place that you went to still hasn't really heard the news that there's something different. And the wholesaler they use probably hasn't got much choice and hasn't pushed forward the choice that it does have or made a case for why they may want to change what they've ordered. And we're in a very alcocentric society. So people um, think about alcohol without even thinking about it, really. They go, oh, yeah, there's an evening out. What we need is wine and beer and cider and cocktails. And they don't go, oh, and what about anyone who may be driving, pregnant, not drinking, not wanting to drink tonight? It's We've got a lot of decades and if not centuries of um, societal conditioning to, that means that we don't often think about anything else and a soft drink you know soft drink is called a soft drink because it's not a hard drink right so um there's there's all of those things around that are cues for the way that society should work when it comes to drinking that we have to unpick and it takes more time than than some and some pubs you can go to now and they've got an amazing choice we've just been doing a load of interviews with pubs across the country and i'm really amazed about at the range that some do have considering how new a sector that it, this is but you know you need to give feedback as a consumer Consumer. You need to stick it on the Google reviews that you'd have liked to have seen more, make it better for the next person that comes along. Let me know. We can go and speak to them. You know, um, I, 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 I come from a position that people power can make change happen. And I'm now I've just co-opted you. I hope that's OK. But there you are. <laughs> All good. All good. So you mentioned that you've been a campaigner since you're 14 and that it's part of your DNA. Yeah consciously a choice that you've made or it's evolved as you have gone I think it's probably a personality trait to be honest I'm such a you know if if I was in the artist now I'd probably be Linda Snell you know I'm that community person I think um really early on I I ran you know and this is back in the 80s I ran the environment committee at school I set it up and I ran it and I spent my lunch hours crushing cans which is what you had to do in those days and I had my own notice board at school and anytime anyone had a problem with anything, they'd come to me to try and sort it out. I campaigned for a skateboard ramp. I don't even own a skateboard. You know, it's those sorts of things. So um, it's part of who I am. And, you know, um, they they talk about different types of personality. It may also be linked to neurodiversity, but I'm definitely an activator personality and I don't believe there are things that I can't solve. So I got elected to local government when I was only 23 and had a great career in local government for 12 years. And then before Club Soda, I was running a bank switching campaign, encouraging people to switch away from the banks that caused the banking crisis in 2008. So despite the fact I tried to create a proper business and a proper venue and a proper shop, ultimately underneath it all is the fact that I want to make things better for people. And this is the area that I can do it in because I've managed to create a unique voice in this space by 
by by dint of being here first and being quite noisy, but also having something to say in a way that meant that the hospitality industry was very receptive to what I said. And so I want to use that position to make sure that I can make change happen. So it's a it's a strange place to be, but giving up drinking also helped reconnect me with my values. And if I hadn't have given up drinking, I wouldn't have done Move On Money and I wouldn't have done some of the other things that I have done. It had slowly eaten away at my my confidence and my self-respect. And I began to think that really I wasn't any of those things and I should be doing something different. But actually, when I gave up drinking, all of that came back. Yeah, I, I love that you were able to connect your values in that clarity of space to to think about things tell me what were your what are your values uh well um for for openness I was a liberal democrat counselor so I believe very much in equality and I very much believe in communities providing change and I believe that change is about um collaboration and if anyone and all the brands that work with club soda they know that that's at the heart of what I do we only we only make change happen if we can do it together and we all play our part and everyone's got a different part to play. Um, so for me, that's a really important part of achieving change, but also because I'm an extrovert and I like working with people. So that's a lot nicer as well, but also I'm a people person. And when I was drinking, I, I always felt, so I'll tell you a story. When I first got involved in politics, when I first graduated, I got a job that was quite political and I went to the pub with some guys who some some may be in the House of Lords now. Um, and I sat in the pub with them. They were my same age as me. And they sat and they talked about all of the political heroes of theirs. And they named every prime minister back to 1802 or something ridiculous. And they they knew the name of all of the, you know, home secretaries. And they had this very historical discussion. And I cried all the way home thinking, shit, I can't do politics. I don't know. I can't, I can't go much further back than Margaret Thatcher in my memory of of history, of political history. But over time, I realized that the thing that I was very good at is connecting with people, finding out their problems, seeing how those problems connected to the bigger picture and the bigger policy issues that I could turn up and speak to anybody and be able to resolve their problem. And they were crap at that. So I realized that we're all different types of people and we we all have different aspects to offer and partly it's why I like local government because you run a council as a team and you've all got different skills and abilities. But when I was drinking, I began to doubt that I was a people person. And there are a couple of reasons for that. One is that you're continually hungover and tired if you're drinking too much. And so actually talking to people isn't very easy to do. Your mind wanders. You, 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 it takes energy to listen. And also you're often thinking about where your next drink is and all of that sort of stuff. But I guess the other reason was is you can often be full of lots of guilt and shame if you're drinking and that that definitely manifests itself in how you represent yourself to other people. And not long after giving up, I I began to have all those micro interactions that I love. I I talk to people on the tube and I wave at the guy at the 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 kiosk at the tube station and all of those sorts of things. And they gave me huge amounts of joy. And I realized I am a people person. It's just that I didn't have the energy to do it that before. And it was a real wake up call for me. And I think I describe giving up drinking as like a hundred little epiphanies because I learned lots of things about myself that I'd never learned because I'd been drinking since I was about 14. So um, I'd never really dealt with any of my emotions, but I'd never really learned a lot about myself. And so I began to learn all of those things. And I will always say that the most important thing about giving up drinking for me, and there are many, 
big things that have happened. Um, one of those is that it's reconnected me to the values, the things that drove me as an individual, the thing that makes me connected to the world. And would you also describe that as your purpose? Yes, because uh, my purpose is to get shit done. <laughs> well, that's the first time we've had that happen. And it doesn't <laughs> it doesn't have to be my my stuff. If you tell me there's something that, you know, really needs doing in a community and I think that I can have something to offer, it doesn't have to be something that I personally get benefit from. I mean, giving up drinking and then setting up Club Soda is clearly something that came from my experience, but I don't have to have had an experience to be able to listen to other people and understand the impact that that has on their lives and to be able to fight their corner. I mean, I still read all of the, um, I read all of the, the um, consumer stories in the Guardian. Oh, that's like a dream job. I want to phone up all of the different water companies and complain about people's bills for them. <laughs> <laughs> so this sense of injustice that you've had since a child and, and having that sort of radar, but also compass that's, that's sort of alerting you to what's going on around you and then and feeling the need to do something about it but then stepping up and actually affecting that change to help the people that you've got this problem solving mindset yes I think so I and I need other people to help solve those problems because I don't have those um skills totally you know we need to 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 bring bringing people together to to solve problems, we had a problem with rats out the back of our building, and um, the rats were on network rail land, and so I managed to get network rail, the council and the landlords here all involved in in and even the shop next door in sorting out that problem. Um, so it is about bringing people together, and and that's about time really and energy, isn't it? Because you know that if you've had a busy day at work and you're tired, the last thing you want to do is go out and sort out a problem let alone a problem that's not necessarily directly yours either but maybe affecting on the periphery of your life and I guess that takes some energy but also for me it's a I don't believe things aren't possible so I go into a mindset of like everything's achievable we can do this even though sometimes I'm throwing myself against a brick wall but anyway <laughs> and what do you believe is possible with the mindful drinking movement so I believe it's possible that everywhere where alcohol is sold, that there will be good alcohol-free choices, that when you turn up to an event, you don't have to go and seek for a warm jug of orange juice at the back of the room because you're not drinking, that the drink that you want will be served on a tray at the entrance, just like anything else, that there's an equality of serve that we all deserve. And it's all about experience, not about the strength of the drink in your glass. And I don't think we'll ever get rid of alcohol, but certainly everyone's habits are shifting, which is something I didn't know when I first started Club Soda, but was already beginning to happen. And so I want those habits to stick for people, but I also want society not to be so alka-centric or for people to feel that they're under pressure to drink when they don't want to. And if we can make all of those things possible, availability of good alcohol-free drinks, that feeling of being welcome and accepted and wanted in a space, and the fact that you're not feeling under pressure, maybe many more of us wouldn't have drunk too much to begin with, and we can save a whole generation of people coming up behind us from feeling that pressure too. And it's really interesting because not anywhere am I hearing the elimination of alcohol being something that you're looking to achieve. No, I mean, I've got views on all sorts of things around drugs. I also have got a common sense approach to the fact that as a society, we like to alter our minds in some ways. If it helps, you know, I've become 
a very fine tea addict and I know all the best teas that make you slightly trippy, you know, um, they're very old and they cost a lot of money. So I don't have them very often, but you know, I, it's a natural state of being sugar is another thing that gives us sort of pleasure and highs and all of those sorts of things. It's all about people feeling that they've got control over that situation. And that when people don't feel they've got control, that there are services in place to support people in whatever substance that might be. And I think in society, we've also lacked the support to to give people to change drinking, bearing in mind it's such a widespread behavior and most of us are drinking too much. You actually need lots of different solutions that talk to and appeal to different people. And of course, the government's got a one size fits all approach to some of that. So yes, I I don't think we'll totally eliminate alcohol, but we are all naturally drinking less because we're far more health conscious um, as we as generations move on, and that's beginning to happen, and all the stats globally show that's not just here in the UK, that's everywhere. And so we've got this beautiful point in time at the minute where um, societal attitudes are changing, alongside the ability to move that faster by changing the way that the hospitality industry works and getting rid of some old practices, like you know if you've ever been to a posh dinner at a hotel. Um, for an award ceremony or something they always do it on the basis of a three-course meal and half a bottle of wine per person and then if you're not drinking you have to go and find your own drink and pay for it at a different bar you know um, they're small things but they are actually really significant because they actually stop people moderating their drinking let alone giving people who aren't drinking a choice and what we need to do is to to give people choice and options and not assume that we know what's right for everybody um and you know we do that with food with vegan food and vegetarian food and so why shouldn't we do that with other things that we put in our mouth too i i totally agree and thinking back to the early 2000s, late 1990s, when smoking was banned from indoors. I mean, I can remember sitting, eating in America with my very young daughter at that time, thinking of people still smoking at the table because it, they were sort of slower to adopt. And it was just unbelievable. You wouldn't think, and smoking on the plane. And I, I do see that alcohol will go the same way. I, I do feel that it might. Yeah, I don't think it will be totally unacceptable. But what will happen is, is you will find that there's a bit more of a mixture of behaviours in spaces so that there'll be a whole load of people not drinking as well as drinking. Don't get me wrong. I don't want people to stop going to the pub. We live mm. in small enough venues, um, small enough houses in the UK as it is. Um, we need our social venues and being socialist is really important to us as human beings. It's just that we don't have to get drunk every time we be social. Um, equally, um, in Britain, we're taught to get drunk in order to be at something we're not enjoying. And on those options, <laughs> those opportunities, I tell people to go home. But it's funny how we're taught that, aren't we? Oh, it's not great. It's not fun. I don't know what. I'm going to drink some more. So there's some there's some real societal hang-ons. There's ways that that hospitality and and um, parties and things work that we don't even question. And just by beginning to ask the question and ask what what means that everyone else would have an, a good experience really makes a difference. I um I spoke to a guy once who said to me, "Well, my daughter's getting married this summer, and it wouldn't be a wedding without champagne." And I thought, well. If you really think the wed- the only thing that's going to make that wedding special is champagne, um, then that's a bit sad. And you won't notice the people in the room that aren't drinking champagne. So really, is this all about your perceptions? You know, at the end of the day, if there's something fizzy in a glass, how do you really know? It's quite funny. 
I'm with you. I, I want to go back to the 100 little epiphanies that you mentioned and the, the micro interactions. And for me, this is about the smaller moments that often get missed in life. And we're so focused on the big celebrations and the big shifts and things. But actually, life is a series of moments. Yeah, absolutely. And also you can uh, sometimes because, you know, that drinking is such a big thing and it, it takes quite a lot of energy to drink, that you expect massive things to happen after you change drinking. And sometimes they're not massive things, they're small things. And what you do is you learn some of those things that you thought were due to drinking were you all along. I always say that I thought there were two things that would improve with changing drinking, my memory and sleeping with inappropriate people. But neither <laughs> of those things have got better. So they they were apparently me all along. So um, it's and so it is important because people think, oh my god, I'm going to lose like five stone and I'm going to run and I'm going to be really really healthy. But what you might find is is that you just sleep better, your skin looks better, you are less worried about money because you've got a bit more control over spending. You argue less, you feel more connected to your kids. Sometimes they can be really small things, and I do think people should write those down so that they um, understand what they are. For me, they were things like. Um, how long the weekends were, being able to do two social things in an evening because you could meet somebody for a quick drink or a coffee and then go and do something else, being able to prepare sandwiches the night before so that I ate properly the following day and having the energy to do that, remembering second half of plays, <laughs> um, you know, um, and and understanding my feelings were, was a big one. So I've run Club Soda now with UC for nearly 10 years and he was one of my first sober dates. It's not so much a relationship as a hostage situation, but um, obviously, but you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have this relationship now and it wouldn't be what it is. And I wouldn't have been able to deal with the intricacies and the complex um, complexities of that as being two quite different people if I hadn't have been sober. And the conversations that I've had since my own decision of going sober have been mostly positive The most a lot of other people though have said oh I could never do that or I haven't got a problem or there's um yeah I, I enjoy a drink it gives me so much and you know I don't see it as having a problem at all and it's it's really interesting the different conversations I'm having with yeah people. I think it's because people can be quite binary and part of this has come from AA language that seeped into the world which is that either you've got a problem or you haven't and actually, you don't need to drink much for it to affect your health. And particularly if you're on medication or you've got some mental health issues or you're going through menopause or any of those things, um, the, the effect alcohol has on you, um, you know, you don't even need to drink very much for that to be impactful. So it really does have to be a personal decision. And um, and people get a bit defensive. Oh, you've given up drinking. Does that mean you've had a problem um, and what, what does problem mean, you know, in this context, you know, there's, there's dependent drinkers of people who have drink so much that their body has now become dependent on it. And alcohol is the most dangerous drug to detox from suddenly. So you do have to taper off, but 99% of people are not dependent drinkers, but you can be drinking an awful lot before you become dependent. And it will be impacting on everything in your life from the money that you spend, the relationships that you have and the your mood and all sorts. And there isn't a bit of your body that alcohol doesn't affect, including your eyesight and your teeth and your hearing and all of those sorts of things. So, you know, we often look for other solutions to problems that we have. 
but sometimes we won't know until we cut out drinking whether even you know two glasses of wine in in evening which is technically binge drinking in medical terms is actually impacting on you more than you think it is and it doesn't have to be a problem that means that you're you're in a gutter or you're homeless or any of those things it just has to be a problem for you and the one thing I'd say is is that why not take a break because it's not going to do you any harm and you will learn a lot about yourself in doing that including when it is that you may drink drinks that you're not really enjoying and when you go back to it you could save drinking for a time place people and a drink that you enjoy the most and and try and cut out the rest so it doesn't have to be so binary and I think that's a problem at the minute. People are very binary. There's a problem or not a problem. Um, so, you know, it's personal to everybody. You know, I got to three months. So you must be not far off there if you've, I think you hinted to me, you'd got to about 64 days. Three months is a charm for me. It was amazing. I have to say at the end of three months, I was volunteering on the Olympics and I felt like an athlete. So um, I was on that Olympic park going, oh my God, I'm here at six in the morning and I feel so much energy. My energy really popped at six months and my brain came back at nine months. So, you know, give yourself a good slog. Don't just do a month. It, that's so, it's so key. And yes, you know, I'm I'm 67 days today. And I'm I'm really enjoying counting the days because it's such a pleasure to wake up every day with so much intentional purpose. And I'm writing a book at the moment. It will be done by the time this episode goes out. So that's that's another win to go with. But I have built the most amount of momentum since having gone sober because I've got more energy, more capacity to more energy more focus more ability to organize but you know it doesn't have to be you don't have to go alcohol free to achieve that just to let people know because it's um what i notice is people who are alcohol free are very vocal we go we can count days and we can talk about the complete absence of something being great and it's a harder story to tell right if you've moderated oh well i've cut down what i'm drinking and i'm feeling amazing everyone goes oh that's okay but you haven't given up so you've not done the hard bit and I want people to cl- reclaim that if you've made a change to your drinking and it's had a positive impact on your life because you have, then take it and own it and celebrate it and count how many days you've done some successful moderation. Because actually moderation is quite hard in itself because it's easy to take. Well, it's not easy, but when you're taking something completely out of your diet, it it you don't have to think about it anymore. But if you're moderating, you might have to think about it a bit more. And you also have to deal with the fact that you may be sometimes ingesting alcohol, which stops you moderating by its sheer nature. So I want people who moderate their drinking to congratulate themselves too. I love that message. And I have to admit that I've had to really taper this sort of evangelical like this is a a most amazing thing because I, I do I do have that tendency when something is as exciting as or a bigger decision to become a bit preachy about it and that my husband just like no don't do that don't, don't yeah do it, it's, it's a hard one isn't it because you people do feel judged and I but it's also important that you do share your experience because you feel great and you feel you've got more energy and focus and you know ultimately if you were offered a pill that um, gave you more energy, helped you be more productive, helped you look younger, helped you sleep better, helped you lose weight, helped you eat better, maybe even helped you manage your money and make you feel mentally better. You'll probably pay quite a lot of money for it. But by cutting back on your drinking, um, you can do that. And so 
I guess I would say to anybody like you, which is do share your story because I think it's really important, but always talk to people about, you know, cutting back, not just going alcohol-free. Alcohol-free worked for you. Alcohol-free works for me. But if you want to cut back, you can get some of those, that you can get those benefits too um, because we don't quite know where everybody is in their drinking journey. But if they know that it's worked for you and you're a person that they didn't think was rolling around in the gutter either, then you will encourage other people to do the same. And it's why I encourage people who moderate their drinking to talk about it too, because, you know, they, they because it's so hard to put um, fine, definite, like, days and things on it, it can be a bit harder. But you should be proud of it and share it and share the impact that's had. And I caught myself, Laura, by saying that I couldn't be or have fun without alcohol. And that was my moment where I, I had that, okay, that's this is not good anymore. Yeah, I'd say I've definitely had more fun since giving up drinking. I still have some great memories, only some though, obviously, um, from when I was drinking. And and you know, and I wouldn't, you know, th- that was then and this is now. And I'm I'm a different person, I'm older and all of those sorts of things. And so I also can't compare that, but it is important to still laugh with people who talk about that drunken time they did so and so such a thing with so and so, because those are important bonding situations too. And you know, alcohol can help you relax a bit, but other things can as well. And learning some of the skills around operating socially without drinking is really important. And it does take practice. I think it was three or four months before I began to feel comfortable in a social situation without a drink in my hand. And slowly over time, I've forgotten it. And I've also realized that nearly everybody is nervous in a social situation and they find it difficult and that's and we've been taught to rely on alcohol to make that a bit easier but I've learned that I can talk to anybody and I can introduce people to each other and I can remember what people have said and so I go oh you must go and speak to so-and-so over there and for me that's like a superpower and that makes socializing far more exciting for me because I get to do what I love doing which is connecting people together to to make things happen. And talking about making things happen from your early being on the committee to government, what's next? What's the plan? What's the the vision? Well, my vision is to continue to make sure that pubs and bars and restaurants have more options for everybody. And one way I want to do that is by galvanizing people to be part of that answer. So I want people to be able to feel confident about talking to pubs and bars that they go to about whether they could have a better choice or not. I want people to share alcohol-free drinks with their friends and you know, do a pop-up alcohol-free cocktail night at home, all of those sorts of things. And I believe there's a lot that could be very people-powered about this space. And so that's one of the key things I want to do. And the tasting rooms in Covent Garden, it's just one expression of that because you can come in, you can try drinks, you can find something that you really like, you can bring friends, you can have a beautiful cocktail, all of those things. So that's what the ultimate mission of Club Soda is. And we're a B Corp business, so that's about having a uh, being very mission-led. That that's my plan. What I am doing is feeling very tired at the minute. And if you can imagine every piece of effort that I used to put into drinking, I can put equally into work. So I'm very good at overworking. And then some of the symptoms are very similar, by the way, which is you can't concentrate and you're tired and you can't talk. Um, so I need to try and find some balance for myself as well. Yeah, I hear you. And the reason I reached out to you is because I I went to Club Soda, the tasting room, and I sat down with a friend and we spent the best part of three hours trying some drinks and then also 
purchasing cocktails or alcohol free cocktails of course I don't, I don't like the word mocktail we, no we don't either so you did no. you did well there yeah <laughs> Uh, we we have um, different ways of saying it at home. We call it Zapparol because it's like zero Aperol at home. So we quite like that and things like that. So like yeah, it. yeah. And uh, really enjoyed the afternoon. And re- that's why I reached out to you because I just wanted to find out more about the what's behind the scenes. And you mentioned about the the similarity of being a workaholic and having that my the brain fog I mean also the menopausal brain fog is there for me and at this time of life that did not mix well at all with alcohol as the body was changing no so it's about I feel it's like it's understanding more about what we're putting inside of our bodies and the impact it has and yes we're we we're learning more but we that the sugar is is one issue. We learned about fat and we reduced fat, but then when you added sugar to foods and now it's a case of, oh no, that's not working. We need to take the sugar back out of things. It's it's an evolving learning state for us. Yeah, it is. And I think what we do have to remember is when we have convenient, we conveniently forget things <laughs> when we want to. And we do it a lot with alcohol, right? We you know, the number of vegan people who I see drinking wine that isn't vegan and all of those sorts of things. We make, we can make convenient rules for ourselves um, to justify doing certain things. I can always justify a donut, for example. So, you know, <laughs> you know, we're, we're very good at doing it. And sometimes you need to just stop yourself and, and have a realistic self-assessment of where you are. Um, one of my great heroes actually is Sharu Azadi, um, who wrote The Kindness Method which applies to all sorts of addictions, including overworking. And her uh, her last book is The Last Diet. But her stuff isn't about what you put in your body at all. It's all about making an inventory and spending time thinking about you and yourself and what you do and the stories that you tell yourself about what it is that you do and the, re- and the reality and your connections with other people and all of that sort of stuff. And Ultimately, when I was still drinking, I brought million, every time I felt a bit low, I'd buy another self-help book and I'd flip through the self-help book and go, well, all of those things seem simple to me. I don't understand how they're going to fix me. But of course, I never did any of the work in the self-help books. And what Sharu's taught me is that you need to do the work. You need to take some time. It's very difficult for someone like me who doesn't like to sit still for very long but you need to take the time to do those exercises to get to the conclusions you want and that groundwork is is worth doing and it doesn't surprise me because you don't seem like someone who is afraid of doing the work well I was (laughs) well you know but we can do when we don't want the work to tell us the answer that we really want to hear we can put it off forever right I'm very good at that (laughs) So I, I love the idea of that book. I'm going to go and check it out. And uh, I've, I've already just looked at it on Amazon, actually, so that I can re- so remind myself of it. So, yeah, brilliant. Have there been any other pivotal people or, or moments that have affected your life course? Um, changing drinking is is one of the biggest things I've ever done, I think. Um, and so that's that's been a real big thing for me. And then the real other pivotal bit is how quickly your 40s go. Bloody hell. <laughs> so that's actually stressing me the most at the minute about there's there's a real big shift in your perception of time and your place in the world and what it is that you want to do. 
And, you know, I've spent all of my 40s doing club soda and um, I hit 50 next year. And suddenly that feels quite momentous. I I feel that that's going to be quite big for me thinking through, you know, what's yet to come. You know, when I I still feel I'm like that 14 year old who um, wrote that I wanted to be prime minister and went to see my local MP to work out how to become an MP. And now I'm like, wow, I'm older than all of those, a lot of those people that I went to speak to at the time. And how did that happen? And what, what about those things that I thought about doing? How can I fit those in? It's definitely a feeling of fitting things in, isn't it? Yeah, I'm, I'll be 50 next year too. So happy yeah. birthday to us. And <laughs> I see it as a midlife beginning opportunity. I see lots of exciting things. And I'm a, a big, big fan of the, the fact that it's never too late to be who you might have been and to really embrace change. And I feel that you, you're the same, but we can't do it alone. It has to be in collaboration with others. Yeah, absolutely. And the other thing that, I mean, I've just been doing a podcast series for Club Soda where I talk to people about what people did next after they changed their drinking. Because sometimes people feel a little bit lost, you know, all the way through your 20s and 30s, going out in the evening to the pub, getting drunk was the big thing that you did. And suddenly you've released a lot of time. And it doesn't have to be big. Some people just take up a new hobby and some people try out the stand-up comedy and things like that. But it, you now have some energy. You can really think about what it is that you want to do with your life. And working out what that is may not be as easy as it was for me. Ultimately, I've reverted back to type, which is, you know, I enjoy getting involved in things and making things happen. And I've I've just refound who I was. But for other people, you might need to start from scratch again. And that's what I wanted to to just share again, that a lot of people think they find their purpose, but I believe that you don't, you you create it, you craft it, you evolve it as, as you go. And there are threads there. And as you are able to spot them, to pull them through. And as you say, you, you refound who you was, who you was, who you were, sorry. I liked it. it. I liked how you was. <laughs> Uh, speaking street London. Uh, so in terms of, of what it is that you refound, was there a particular quality? You mentioned equality was one of your values. Were there any others that have come to fore as well? Um, I was thinking about what you were saying about honing and crafting, because obviously Club Soda is a different shape than it was when I started it back in 2015. And that is about honing where I could be most impactful. Um, and sometimes I do wonder, is this the right thing for me to do? you know, why, why, why am I doing this in particular? Um, I didn't expect, I'd never planned anywhere in my life to spend so much time talking to pubs and bars and restaurants. And I'm now like number 16 in the most influential people in the drinks industry next to all of these people that have been, you know, in the wine sector for years. I'm like, how did that happen? And so sometimes it is about following a path. Um, I once heard um, somebody say at a book reading, because the questioner said, oh, I don't know which path to go down because there's so many possible we could talk about. And the speaker said, well, I find when you're at a crossroads, you should take every path. And I think that's a really good way to start thinking about your purpose because you might get partway down a path and find that it's not really for you and you didn't like it, but you gave it a whirl and you saw what was down there and no, not that. Um, but if you try lots of different paths, you know, throw yourself into all sorts of things that sound interesting, you will find that purpose. Um, and for me, I'm pretty sure that that there will be something that comes next. And I don't quite know what that is. The list of things I had when I started Club Soda um, around public sector change in particular 
um, other people are already doing them and that's great. I don't need to own those things. Um, I'm always happy to have ideas and release them into the wild anyway, but there will be something else that will come up um, in the not too distant future when I feel I've got to where I can with club soda. And it may be that I release club soda to somebody else to carry that on and do something with as well. Yeah, I love that. And I love that take every path moment. It, it really is. I was walking with my daughter earlier this year and she taught me about desire paths where people create paths. Desire to... lines. Yeah. yeah. It's, what, it's what council officers call them. So I'm very interested that your daughter knows that. So I use that quite often. Oh, there's a desire line there. And all my mates look at me. It's very local government speak. But yes, yeah. created paths. And in the end, you know, the council tarmacs them. <laughs> Well, this is a thing, isn't it? But it's about creating somebody started that path because it was a shortcut and it was it was a route they wanted to take. And then, as you say, it then becomes sort of more formalized. But what I'm what I the link I've got there is that you're following your desire and allowing that path to be created. And then others may trade in, in your path behind you. And then that then becomes a route that is easier trod by everyone. Yes, it's a really good analogy. Yeah, I love it. Oh, Laura, I could speak for hours with you. It's so it's been amazing. Thank you so much for sharing your journey. That's all right. I'm always always happy to, and everyone's always welcome at the Club Soda Tasting Room. Oh, hundred percent recommend that. You will have the best time if you go. So, tell me, how could people get in touch or follow your work? What's the best way for them to to connect with Club Soda and yourself? Yeah, so you can pop into the tasting rooms, which is thirty nine Drury Lane in Covent Garden. Um, we're open every day and have a look at our website or on Google, you'll find us. We're on social media at Drawing Club Soda and our website is drawingclubsoda.com. We also have lots of things for sale on our website, lots of drinks and for Ashiki and our workshops and our events are all on there. Um, you can also follow me on social, on Instagram, but I don't use it that often um, on at Laura Willoughby. So, but, but do feel free to connect there, but I'm always happy for an email. So people can do that, laura at joinclubsoda.com. And yes, I'm really interested to hear about people's stories or things that you think could be done or tales of where you've talked to a venue about having more low and no. And can I help? I will always see if I can. Brilliant. Well, thank you for that. And tell us, you have been formally recognised for your work, haven't you? Oh, so you've been looking on Wikipedia or something, haven't you? <laughs> God damn you. I well, it's funny because I don't normally bring something in from outside and I always say I never mention it, but I do feel that the work you've done, it should be praised greatly. Yeah, I got it. Um, I actually got it when I was 30. So I've had it wow. quite a long time. I think not many not many non-athletes get a um, an honour that early, but I got it for all my community work from quite a young age. And actually I spoke to the woman who had put in the nomination for me the other day because she was talking about it. But yes, I felt very lucky and very privileged. And also it was at the time and hopefully still is part of the way that the honour system wants to make sure that it does recognise more diversity. Because I can tell you that most people who get their honours make sure that they get their honours. And uh, and that's not often women or people from different minority groups. So if you know some people who deserve an honour, get some applications done. Yeah, no, thank you. And I, I, I just felt it was important to mention that you have been recognised formally in in a in a way that is different to how everybody else, not different to how other people get it, but 
it, it was well, it's well deserved. It's a path that you are treading and, and trailblazing for others to follow. And I'd, I'd have to say, I, I actually got it the year that my dad died from drinking. So mm. it was actually quite a poignant year. Um, made my mum very happy um, in a year that was quite sad for her. So, you know, to see where I am now is also really interesting. <laughs> it's an evolution. And thank you so much. Really, really appreciate your your time today. How would you like to close out the episode, Laura? Well, I guess one thing that has struck with me, and there's it's a quote that's come from a few people recently, that it's amazing what you can achieve when it doesn't matter who takes the credit. And I think that's a really good sentiment and something which I feel is very important to the way that I work. And I'd like to share that with everyone else. How has this conversation had an impact on you? What value have you received from tuning in? What are your reflections with actions? Please take a moment to leave me an Apple podcast or Spotify review sharing how Focus on Why has made a difference to you today. Remember, the conversation doesn't end here. To keep it going, simply connect with me on LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook or Twitter or join the Focus on Why Facebook group. All the links are in the show notes. Have a purpose, have a plan, focus on why.